Take your Bibles, if you would, with me over to Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 24 through 29 of the verses we will be looking at. I want to preach to you a message I simply entitled, We Preach Christ. We Preach Christ. You know, no matter where we go, whether we're halfway across the world in Africa or here in America, our message is one and the same. Our message is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who changes lives. It's not us who changes someone's life for eternity. It's only Jesus who can save. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, if you were to ask the Apostle Paul while he was here on earth, you know, Paul, what is your purpose for living? I believe he would answer with one word. He would say Christ. He wanted to glorify Christ. Paul, what is your goal in life? I believe he would say Christ. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to live for him more. If we asked Paul, what is your message as you go from city to city, from different language and different places and different cultures? Paul, what is your message? He would say the same thing, Christ. And I believe if we were to ask the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, what are you looking forward to most? I believe he would say the same thing, Christ. He's looking forward to that day where he would see his Savior, Jesus Christ, who had transformed and changed his life and now allowed him to be able to reach others with the gospel all across the world. What a wonderful privilege to be able to serve a risen Savior, to be able to serve Jesus Christ and to know him and to make him known. You know, that is our message. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes the book of Colossians here, he's sitting in a Roman prison. And around the same time, he wrote the book of Philippians, the book where we talk about rejoicing. And the book of Colossians, he, he wrote uh, probably within a year of writing the book of Philippians as well. We call these, of course, the prison epistles. And as Paul wrote this book to Colossians, he's writing to a church that he never visited, that he did not plant. It was probably planted through a man that he had led to the Lord and discipled who went back to his hometown, a man named Epaphras. And as he had trained up Epaphras to go back to his hometown, he is so excited uh, to hear about what God is doing there in this city of Colossae. Now, Paul wrote the book of Colossians because he wanted this church that was on a trade route where many new ideas and many uh, false philosophies were coming into the church there because of uh, all the people that would come into the town every day and leave the town because of this trade route. He wanted them to be sure that they knew who Jesus Christ was, who he was not. He wanted them to know who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for them and how then they should live because of what Jesus had done for them. And so in the first few chapters of the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul presents maybe the clearest passage in the entire word of God on who Jesus is, especially in Colossians chapter 1. And notice with me in Colossians chapter 1, in verse number 14, we see that Jesus Christ has redeemed us through his blood, and he has given us the forgiveness of sins. In verse 15, we see that Jesus is God. He's not just the Son of God. He is God the Son. He is the image of the invisible God. In verse 16, we see that Jesus is the creator of all things, that by him uh, all things are created. And so again, we see a proof that Jesus is God, that he is the all-powerful God who created everything. And then in verse uh, 17, we see that by Jesus, everything continues to sustain itself. Everything continues to consist and that he is the sustainer of all things. You know, we didn't worry today if the sun would come up or if the sun would go down or if the law of gravity would stop working. Why? Because Jesus continues to help all of these natural laws to continue to be 
in place. And then we see in verse 18, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. And then as we get down to verses 19 and continue down into verse 20 and 21 and 22, we see that Jesus Christ is, again, our Redeemer. He's our salvation. He's the one that has reconciled us to God. And before, we were alienated. We were enemies, uh, the Bible says there. But now, through the death of Jesus Christ in verse 22, we have been saved and we have been called to live for Jesus Christ. And now as we get down to the end of Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul takes some time to share some of his personal testimony in verses 24 through 29. And as he shares that, he's saying, we preach Christ. We preach Christ. That is our message that we preach. But the question I want us to answer is, how do we preach Christ? How do we preach Christ? You know, Paul tells us the answer here in this passage. Notice with me verse 24 through 29 as we uh, read that. If you would, if you have a Bible there, follow along with me as I read those verses. The Apostle Paul says there through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. The Apostle Paul here gives a wonderful passage and tells us, if you would, four different ways that he preached Christ and four different ways that we too can preach Christ in our lives. Notice with me, first of all, the Apostle Paul says we can preach Christ through our sufferings. We can preach Christ through our sufferings. You know, uh, during this pandemic time, we are all experiencing maybe uh, some suffering on a global scale. Uh, we are maybe having to do without some things or maybe uh, missing some of the regular activities or places we were able to go before all of this happened and the virus hit. You know, but we can preach Christ still even now. We can preach Christ through our sufferings because our light shines the brightest during the darkest times. You know, it's been said, the darker the night, the brighter the light. And God wants us to shine as light in this dark world. And God wants to use this time to show others who are discouraged and depressed because of the changing times uh, that our joy remains. Because our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our joy is based on Christ. Our joy is based on Christ. And no one can take away Jesus from us. No one can take away the eternal life that we have. And we can focus on Jesus Christ. You know, how do you respond when suffering comes? The Apostle Paul said here, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. The Apostle Paul said, I am glad to suffer for Jesus Christ. If that means that your Christian life helps you grow, it helps you become what Jesus wants you to be, I will willingly suffer just like my Savior did so that he can be glorified, so that others can be reached with the gospel. He goes on to say here in verse 24, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. 
The Apostle Paul said, I'm willing to go through suffering if it advances the church of Jesus Christ, if it advances the gospel cause. And that's exactly what Paul had not only talked about here, but he had been through and he was going through. He was sitting in prison as he wrote this letter, and yet we still see him rejoicing. We can rejoice because our circumstances may change, but Jesus never changes. He is unchangeable. And what a joy to be able to suffer for the one who has suffered for us. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You know, if Jesus, who is God, became man and died in our place so that we as mankind can get to God, who are we to think that we shouldn't go through suffering? If God, who is perfect, and Jesus, who is God and came down and died in our place, who are we to think that we should not go through suffering? You see, what it's only through suffering that we can learn some things that God wants us to learn, that we can grow in some ways that God wants to grow us. And I hope your goal and my goal is to know him, to know the power of his resurrection that comes through his word and through his spirit, but also to know the fellowship of his sufferings, the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, no one's impressed when we live for God in the easy times and the good times and the convenient times and the comfortable times. But when the world sees us living for Jesus Christ during the difficult times, that is when they see that we have something that they do not have. And that is when we can be the greatest testimony and witness for Jesus Christ. Our whole goal is to be made conformable unto his death, to learn to die daily, to be more and more like Jesus Christ, to make our lives count for him. You know, I can remember... Uh, the very first time as we began, uh, got ready to start our church there in Ethiopia just over a year ago, we had our first outreach in our area. And so we were going out with gospel tracts in two languages there in Ethiopia. And a few different Baptist churches that were in within about an hour of us came and helped us to be able to pass out some gospel tracts and go out and tell people about this new church that was being planted, the first ever Baptist church there in our area. And one of the men that showed up that day was in some pain when he came. But you wouldn't really have noticed it because he was just joyful and glad to be there. But just a few weeks before he came to help us with our outreach, he had been out sharing the gospel in a nice way and uh, passing out gospel tracts. And he had witnessed to one Muslim man uh, there. And that man had said he didn't want anything to do uh, with the gospel or with having a track. And so he went on his way continued to try to pass out gospel tracts, but this um, man jumped over the counter of his little shop there and decided to turn around this Christian man who had been witnessing to him and just punch him right in the face. He punched him so hard in the face that he knocked out a number of his teeth and caused great damage to his mouth. And yet, even though this man had done that uh, to this Christian man, here he is just a few weeks later, his teeth still not fixed, out rejoicing that he gets to suffer for Jesus Christ, that he gets to share the gospel. And you know, that was convicting. That was a testimony uh, to me of a man who had been faithful through suffering. And the world was seeing something different. He did not press charges against that Muslim man. And yet he still was going on his way rejoicing and counting himself worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
and he was rejoicing. He was not discouraged. He was encouraged that he had that privilege. You know, it's been said that your greatest testimony is you in the fire. It's you in the difficult times of your life. And you may have heard throughout church history, it's been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You see, even though many people have tried to stamp out Christianity, Christianity has actually grown through times of persecution because people see something that's real that people are willing to die for and not recant their faith. And through that, God has allowed many people who have watched the testimony of these dying Christians and of these Christians who have been persecuted to say, I need that in my life. I need something that's real, that can give me joy and hope in the midst of difficult times. And so many people have come to Jesus Christ because of the faithfulness of those who've been persecuted. Are you being faithful right now through this time maybe of some persecution that we have not known in America, some suffering that maybe we have not known? You know, I can remember just before we left uh, back here to our first furlough just a few months ago, we heard of the story of a few Ethiopian pastors who had been beheaded for their faith in Jesus Christ. Very close to an area where we used to live, the very first house we used to live in was not far from there. And uh, we had even purchased uh, some, a lot of our furniture from a furniture factory in the exact area where these pastors were beheaded for their gospel witness. You know, we need to be faithful, even if that means our lives. We need to be faithful. We need to finish our course as the Apostle Paul did. Of course, we know later on he would be beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. But it's my prayer, and I pray that it's your prayer, that we could say, like the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, that he had finished his course, he had kept the faith, and he knew that God is a faithful judge and would reward him for his faithfulness to him. We preach Christ, Christian, through our suffering. But then notice with me, secondly, we preach Christ through our service. Through our service. The Apostle Paul said in verse 25, whereof I am made a minister. I am made a minister. What is a minister? A minister is a servant. And we get to serve the same master. Our master, we have a good master. His name is Jesus Christ. He loves us and he would use us even though we are sinners. We have been saved by God's grace and now we are saints supposed to be separated unto God and sanctified and living our life, becoming more like Jesus Christ. And we can show the world that we are Jesus Christ by serving them. By serving them. How can you serve others in your neighborhood or around you during this time? How can you show and share the love of Jesus Christ? You know, you can do it through your service. Through your service. Paul says, I am a servant. Jesus Christ is Lord. There's only one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my master. And I am going to serve him faithfully. You see, Jesus left us an example all throughout his ministry of serving others who could not really do anything for him. You know, he often was serving the poor and the sick and the castaways of society like the harlots and the tax collectors. How is our love for those type of people? You know, it's easy to love and serve those who love and serve us. But are we busy loving and serving those who cannot really give us anything in return? Because we love Jesus Christ, because we want to make him known to others. You know, I'm always amazed by the passage in John chapter 13 as Jesus got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. Here is the creator becoming the creation. And now he is taking the job of the lowest servant in the household who would have to wash the dirty, stinky feet of the guests who would come in. 
And Jesus was leaving us an example. And as he got down and washed the disciples' feet, I want you to remember that he washed all 12 pairs of disciples' feet. He did not just wash 11 who would continue to follow him. He washed even the feet of Judas Iscariot, who just a few minutes later would go out and betray Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us to love our enemies. He gave us an example. He gave us an example that we are to serve those even who don't love us, who can't give anything back to us, those who hate us, those who despitefully use us and persecute us. That's what sets us apart as a Christian, that we forgive, that we love those even who maybe from their perspective think that we are false or think that we are doing a wrong thing and do not believe the way we believe. We are still supposed to be an example to them. You know, Paul was known as the apostle to the Gentiles, and he was a Jew. And, you know, Jews had no dealings with the Gentiles, but yet here's the apostle Paul giving his life to go to people who are not like him, who speak different languages. Why? Because the love of Jesus Christ compelled him. He preached Christ through his service. You know, one of the most fulfilling days of our lives there in Ethiopia was when we were able to, for the very first time, sponsor a children's feeding ministry there in Ethiopia. And through this feeding ministry of feeding about 70 to 80 children, we've also been able to share the gospel with these children many, many times uh, through uh, the time when we feed them. We're able to share a Bible story with them. And it's a Christian man who owns this organization. And so he wants them, these kids to hear the gospel. And these kids come from Muslim homes and Orthodox homes and all different types of religious backgrounds. And they come from different ethnicities. And many of them uh, are, basically all of them are very poor. Some of them have no parents who care about them or love them. Some, um, and many of them would only have one uh, that would care about them. And yet we are, have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And I can remember after feeding these children and preaching the gospel to them, And praise God, many of these children have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior in the past few years. I can remember just feeling so fulfilled, so fulfilled to be able to feed and minister to these children who physically cannot give anything back to me. But there's nothing better than being able to give to others. Because when you give to others expecting nothing in return, you will find that you are more fulfilled than you've ever been as you show the love of Jesus Christ through your service. Christian, how are you showing the love of Jesus Christ? Are you serving faithfully in your community, in your church? Are you doing your best to serve others? Because it is when you serve others that you preach Jesus Christ. We preach Christ through our service. Then notice with me, thirdly, we preach Christ through our words. We preach Christ through our words. The Apostle Paul said, as he got down to verse 26 through 28 here, he said that we have this mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. What is he talking about? Of course, he's talking about the gospel. The gospel, who the Messiah is, that the Messiah has come, and now we know who he is. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And others have wanted to know who Jesus Christ was, but now we have the privilege through God's Holy Spirit to have Christ in us, the Spirit of Christ, And he's the hope of glory. And now what do we do because of that? Notice verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. You see, our goal is to preach Jesus Christ through our words. Yes, we must show the love of Jesus Christ, but then we have to open our mouth and share the love of Jesus Christ. That is why we have gone out 
throughout Ethiopia over the last few years and been, been able to, through our ministries and through those we've helped, be able to pass out over 20,000 gospel tracts. And that's our goal is to show them the love of Christ, but then we have to share the love of Jesus Christ in the printed form and with our mouths in any way that we can so that people can come to know the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ alone. And then after they get saved, what do we share with them? We share with them Jesus Christ through his word. Why? Because our goal is to see every man become spiritually mature or spiritually perfect in Christ Jesus, as verse 28 says. We want for God's glory to train up every person to bring glory to God and go and reach and teach others also as they live holy and godly lives for Jesus Christ. You see, we preach Christ through our words. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, Await to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You see, it's our fault as believers, as Christians who say we are dedicated followers of Jesus Christ, that the world does not yet know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's our job. It's our responsibility. And the love of Jesus Christ should pull on us. It should constrain us to get out and share the gospel with our unsaved family and friends and co-workers and neighbors and those we come across. Would you ask God to give you opportunities even in these unprecedented times, even during these difficult days, to be able to be a witness for Jesus Christ? It may not always look the way it's looked, but God can use maybe through even social media or through an encouraging word or maybe at the grocery store as you're out to be able to be a witness and a light for Jesus Christ. Ask God to give you opportunity to open your mouth and preach Jesus Christ. You know, there's a young lady named Helen who began coming to our church. She's about 13 years old, a young girl there, and she uh, began coming to our church because a few of our church kids invited her to our first vacation in Bible school. And she came and heard the gospel, but she did not get saved. But uh, she kept, kept, kept coming back because uh, she enjoyed our church services. She felt loved at our church. And so she was from an Orthodox background, which is a works-based religion there in Ethiopia, a very ancient religion. And Helen kept coming. And my wife got a burden for Helen. And about three or four months after Helen began coming, my wife said, hey, can I take uh, Hikmah, the young Muslim, uh, the young girl from a Muslim family I've been discipling and training up to be a teacher who has been saved? And can I have a time with Hikmah where I can share the gospel with Hikmah clearly, even though she knows the gospel, and then she can translate it? and share that with Helen, who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, as her Savior. So that's exactly what my wife did. My wife shared the gospel with Hickama and explained the gospel uh, to her so that Hickama could then translate it on to Helen. And Helen did not get saved that day. On a, that was a Saturday where my wife got together with these girls. But that following day, Helen had gone home and talked to her mom, and her mom had said, it's your decision, which is a miracle in itself coming from the type of home she does. And Helen came that next day and said, I want to receive Jesus Christ as, their, as my Savior. And one of the sweetest moments for us there in Ethiopia over these first few years was watching Helen bow her head with tears coming down her cheeks, down her face, and trust Jesus Christ as her Savior. Why did that happen? Because my wife got a burden to see Helen come to Christ. Because a couple of kids in our church invited this young lady to start attending our church and hearing the gospel. We preach Christ through our words. Are you being faithful to open your mouth and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then notice with me, lastly, we preach Christ through our work. We preach Christ through our work. 
The Apostle Paul said here as he closed Colossians 1, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying here, I will labor, I will work, even to the point of extreme exhaustion so that I can get the gospel out to the world. And we know all the difficult things that the Apostle Paul went through as we read of his, in his letters here in the New Testament. But he said, I'm going to keep working because I'm going to go into eternity one day and you and I that know Jesus Christ our Savior will go to be with the Lord. But when we go to be with the Lord, there will be no more opportunity to witness. Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no man can work. May we each determine to faithfully work for Jesus Christ. And notice the Apostle Paul said, even though I'm working hard, it's not by my own power. It's according to his working. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through me, through his word, as he uses his word in other people's lives. It worketh in me mightily so that I can be used by God to reach others also. The missionary C.T. Stead many years ago who was a missionary to Africa and other places, said only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Will we make our lives count for Jesus Christ while there's time? We preach Christ through our work. And you know, these first few years have uh, had many different things, protests and riots and assassinations and being in a new third world country and learning a new language, dealing with running out of water and often not having water or electricity and uh, dealing with uh, homeschooling and planting a first ever Baptist church in our area and starting a new Bible institute and doing many different things. But I will tell you that all of those thousands of hours of work that we've invested there in Ethiopia, we are here to tell you today and to give testimony and praise to the Lord that it has all been worth it. Anything done for the Lord is worth it. And we must continue to be faithful that we may hear those words from our Savior one day where he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to challenge and encourage you, make your life count for Jesus Christ. We preach Christ through our suffering. We preach Christ through our service. We preach Christ through our words. And we preach Christ through our work. May we each continually be willing and be faithful to preach Jesus Christ while we have breath until the Lord takes us home one day. God bless you all. And may we each be faithful to get the gospel out to the world and train up others also while there's time. Thank you so much.